Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Nick and Bush coming at you with another Black Monday episode. Today we're talking about uh, schedules again. We're going uh, top five hardest and top five easiest schedules at the wide receiver position this time. Last week we, we did running backs. If you haven't seen that video, go check it out. Uh, really informative stuff there. And we're going to be going through the receiver position again uh, today. And uh, this one's a little bit, I would say... I would say it's a little bit more uh, easier to predict because you kind of know what corners are going to match up with who, you know, which pass defenses are good. And I, I think the turnover year to year is a little bit less so than run defenses to me. I think run defenses sometimes can be a little bit random each year. So uh, how are you doing today? Yeah, doing good, man. I like the series. I like kind of the whole uh, research process for looking into the schedules and everything. Uh, I got Warren Sharp's book and uh, as I read through it more and more, it's kind of just like, it's kind of made me a junkie digging into all this stuff. So uh, yeah, I'm loving it, man. Yeah, for sure. All right. So on the screen right now, I'm going to put up a, a, a chart of uh, a data I got from PFF. And basically what this chart is, is it says which corners actually shadow receivers. Cause there's like an underlying assumption that just assumes okay, the best corner against the best receiver on every team. Not every team uses their corners like that. Some teams just play left and right side or um, slot and like like whoever, whoever just kind of moves around. But uh, on the screen right now, you'll see uh, Arizona, Buffalo, Baltimore, any Patriots system. So the, uh, the Dolphins, Lions, uh, Titans, Patriots, and Texans, Green Bay, Chargers, Broncos, and Saints. And the corners will be listed there. You'll see, I basically assess their like worry level. Like, are you, should you be scared of these guys? So Guys like Patrick Peterson, Tredavious White, Marlon Humphrey, um, Casey Hayward, like uh, Marshawn Lattimore, uh, Stephon Gilmore. These guys are the guys that you want to be like afraid of. You don't want like your number one uh, – when you have a receiver who you know is the number one receiver. For example, um, uh, Devontae Parker. On his team, he's the only receiver that anyone is scared of. He's the number one receiver on his team. And if they if he plays a team that is shadow covering using uh, Tredavious White, for example, who's in that division – he will be on Devonte Parker, like white on rice. Like he will be on him probably 80% of his routes. So that's the type of matchup that you want to avoid uh, for the receiver position. And then in general, we, we want to avoid just good pass defenses in general. Someone like the Steelers, for example, they don't necessarily have a shutdown corner, but they have a good pass defense because they have a great pass rush. They have solid corners and great safety play. So those are the type of defenses you want to avoid with the receiver position. So we'll get into the first team here. And that's uh, the Browns duo. So Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry are the primary two receivers that we're concerned with on the Browns for fantasy purposes. And I'll throw their, um, I'll throw their schedule up on the screen right now. So we're starting with the easy schedules. This, uh, this is a great opening schedule for both guys. I mean, especially Landry, because Odell in, in week one, as I mentioned, Marlon Humphrey is a shadow corner. So uh, he, he's going to be on Odell Beckham. He's not going to be on uh, Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry will likely see a lot of Marcus Peters. And um, – he'll see shadow coverage in week one, but both guys, I mean, this schedule is pretty favorable across the board. Other than the Steelers game, uh, they have pretty much cake matchups until week 13. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking at the schedule and I've been kind of, it's a mixed bag for me on Odell Beckham and uh, Jarvis. I, I kind of like a little bit more, but as I look at the schedule, I'm like, man, it looks good. As far as the cornerback rankings, also, I mean, week one against the, the Ravens and week four versus the Cowboys could be huge scoring games. Yeah. Uh, any games against the Bengals and Redskins, I mean, we just don't know what they're going to be. Likely a lot of points going to be scored. Uh, and, of course, the, the one thing with the Browns wide receivers, of course, is they're going to be forced to be efficient. You know, Odell Beckham was kind of a volume target hog with the Giants. 
And Jarvis Landry has always kind of been a target hog as well. So I'm kind of interested to see how the efficiency works out between the two of them. Uh, but yeah, I think also the Conklin and Wills, you know, uh, signing and both drafting cannot be overstated as far as not just for the run game, but, uh, as a passing offense as well. Yeah. Mayfield actually had one of the lowest times to throw in terms of quarterback play. And part of that's on the quarterback too. Like, cause sometimes you just don't get the ball out quick and like your time to throw is affected, but like when your pass protection isn't good enough and they're getting quick sheds, like, like crazy on you, like. Uh, you as a you have to you're rushed your decision making process your reads your progressions is all rushed so anytime that Mayfield has more time and I, I believe both of these guys are going to be upgrades from what they had last year even if they're not like the best tackle duo in the league like they should definitely be better than what they had last year oh yeah their left tackle they cut going into the season on like some weird cut and sign thing and no one signed him they cut him and no one signed their left tackle and then he got busted for, you know, a semi-truck full of weed. So, uh, I mean, there's that. But it's just like, dude, they, they, they had this awesome team. Everybody was so hyped that their line was garbage. And Baker, like you said, he played like shit, honestly. But uh, I think the line is going to help them a lot. Yeah, it starts up front for most of these teams. And uh, these, oh, yeah. uh, these defenses that they're going to play, we also have the explosive pass defense metric that we're looking at as well which for someone like Odell Beckham especially is pretty important because that's the type of plays that Odell Beckham lives off of. And it's actually slightly more favorable against those two AFC North teams that are the hard defenses that they play in the Ravens and the Steelers. They were slightly worse in terms of giving up explosive plays. Um, yeah, and then despite uh, having about nine targets per game in both uh, matchups last year against weak pass defenses and strong pass defenses, um, OBJ had, uh, was much better against worst pass defenses. You might expect he had 18.5 PPR points per game for, uh, to 13 uh, PPR points per game. And actually for Jarvis Landry, it didn't matter too much. Cause I mean, as you said, he's a volume hog. He doesn't really, plus he moves into the slot a lot. And, uh, one thing, if you don't know this about corners is that most shutdown corners don't travel into the slot. I believe Chris Harris jr. Is like, and Marlon Humphrey actually is one of them that does it as well. But uh, Chris Harris Jr., Marlon Humphrey, and there's like maybe Jair Alexander, I believe, does it as well. Most of these guys don't travel into the slot, though. The Patrick Petersons, the Stephon Gilmore's, Tredavious Whites, they, they're primarily outside guys. So usually they, people move their number one receiver to get them away from guys like this. Yeah, my years in DFS kind of set me up to always look for the slot guy against, you know, when they got really tough corners, look for the slot guy. And, of course, Chris Harris is always kind of the chink in that armor. But for the most part, it's almost always right. Yep, for sure. So we'll get into the next team here. We got uh, the, the Steelers duo that everyone's excited about. And I guess you can include James Washington, Chase Claypool as sleepers into this as well. But uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson are the primary two receivers that we're concerned with for fantasy purposes on the Steelers. And uh, I mean, the Giants won at the beginning of the season. Uh, James Bradbury, they signed in, in free agency. And James Bradbury actually was a shadow corner like in almost every game that he played last year for the Panthers. So I'm not exactly sure if the the Giants are going to use him like that, but he is capable of doing it. He's one of the most underrated corners in the league. So he might be on Juju, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster in week one. So that might be a bit tougher of a matchup than it's uh, laid out to be. But uh, Denver and Baltimore are the only two teams on this like schedule that have great pass defenses. So those will likely be um, tough matchups for Juju and, and uh, in that he's seeing Boye and, uh, AJ Boye and uh, Marlon Humphrey in those. But uh, it's worth noting um, – that this is just a generally great schedule in, in general. And it's very favorable against uh, explosive pass defenses as well. I mean, Juju's got fucking two 97-yard touchdowns to his name. So we know he's capable of um, bringing out the explosive plays too. 
I love Juju. I really hope that we get to see him kind of return to his two years ago form. I just, I like him as a person, kind of his personality. I like him as a player. Uh, so I hope we get back there. And I honestly forgot about the James Bradbury signing that he went to the Giants. That's a huge signing for them. Like actually, ten million a year. I was like, dude, it, like this is this is a, like I, I'm a Bucks fan. I've watched fucking Mike Evans behind me here. He gets shut down by James Bradbury every time. Yeah, I uh, I like Bradbury a lot. I mean, I remember like way back when uh, Josh Norman was kind of around, and it was always like he would get knocked on, you know, and he was yeah. always pretty much the better corner. Um, but, yeah, I kind of forgot about that signing. It's huge. As far as what the Steelers go, I mean, Big Ben's back. We all know that. Um, I don't know if he's going to be good, but he's going to be better what they, than what they had. Uh, I like the early schedule of theirs mostly because I, I just see some high-scoring games potential. Yeah, some good uh, the Broncos, yeah, like the Broncos, it kind of shows the potential down matchup. But their offense this year, like I could see them scoring a lot of points. Uh, which a lot of points means a lot of passing on both ways. And, you know, that's what we like for our wide receivers. So, I mean, the Titans game is the only one potentially that could be kind of like a slow kind of sluggish game. But as far as their passing defense goes, it's not that great. Uh, so Juju and Deontay both, uh, both should be able to light it up. Um, also, I'm just kind of all in on Juju at his cost this year. He's got a good discount. Deontay, we'll see. I feel like if his kind of price keeps going the way it's been going – I'm probably just going to go all in on Juju and pass, but I do like him as a player. Yeah. Yeah. Juju, uh, it's worth noting. He was a little bit better against better, uh, against better, uh, more favorable matchups too. He saw like a one and a half target increase. Uh, and he had, uh, quite a bit more touchdown upside in those games. Uh, Deontay Johnson didn't really make much of a difference. He was actually better against worse matchups, uh, believe it or not, but he was the rookie last hmm. year and he probably had one big game that skewed that whole sample. So, um, on to the next team. We got the, the Colts wide receiver trio, I guess. I, I listed all three of them, T.Y. Hilton, uh, Mike uh, Pittman, and uh, Paris Campbell. Michael Pittman's the one I'm interested in personally because I, I, I just think T.Y. Hilton's a little overpriced. I don't really believe in him this year. But uh, I throw all 17 weeks up here because just generally it's just a pretty good schedule all the way through the whole season. And at the beginning of the season, I mean, the Vikings and Bears defenses are the only real like uh, difficult matchups at the beginning of the seasons. But both their defenses lost a lot of corners, especially the Vikings defense. They lost Mac Alexander and, and Xavier Rhodes and, and Trey Waynes. Like their three starting corners from last year are all gone. And they replaced them with a rookie. And then I, I believe they signed another player as well. But, uh, and then the, the Bears lost to Mukamar. So uh, these might be less scary matchups than they're being uh, anticipated on here. And Hilton will likely uh, only see one threatening shadow corner, uh, or sorry, two throughout the whole season, which is uh, Humphrey and Alexander. So, I mean, he's got pretty good matchups, so he's make it makes me a little bit more uh, optimistic for T.Y. Hilton, even though I'm not really in on him this year. Uh, yeah, I when it comes to the Colts team in general and their passing offense, I don't have much interest in them season long. I I like I take some dart throws potentially on Paris Campbell. Uh, I like his A dot potential with uh, Philip Rivers, but looking at the schedule, it is making me uh, I don't know. It's making me kind of question things because it they've got. I mean, as I look at it, there's almost no team that I'm afraid of. Yeah. And almost every team I'm kind of excited about, even though the Colts are going to be a run first play defense kind of team with Phillip Rivers checking it down. I still see a lot of potential. I think in DFS, there's going to be a ton of upside weeks to potentially uh, like hit on some GPP darts with, uh, with the Colts. But um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm really in on the Colts. I'm not gonna lie. It's my guy, man. I love Michael Pittman. I, 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 I own him at like all the like every time I do like a best ball draft or whatever. He's like always like my 14th round pick, just because I think he has like this year's AJ Brown kind of potential because he's in like a, a situation with T. Y. Hilton kind of being a little bit unhealthy as of late. I could see him totally just like taking over, and they won't shut up about him too. Like the whole Colts staff just like constantly gassing him up, and um. The explosive pass defense schedule is a little less favorable for these guys, so that that might hurt Hilton a little bit. But uh, Hilton actually saw a modest bump in in terms of production, targets, uh, touchdown upside, all that stuff in favorable matchups. So the next guy, I am so I'm so in on this guy. Like this is like one of my my dudes this year. DJ Chark's opening schedule is awesome. <laughs> on the surface, this looks like the best schedule. The Dolphins and Chargers, unfortunately, are actually worse matchups than it has listed here because. They have two lockdown corners. Both teams uh, have really good corner play on uh, on them. So th- those matchups are a little bit harder than it's uh, it's being led on to. Uh, but the explosive uh, pass defense also is, is fairly good. It's a little bit less favorable than, than this, but that's where Chark is going to make his money because, I mean, he, his air yard share was like crazy last year. It was like amongst the best in the league. And Minshew was an awesome deep passer last year. So th- uh, I love the Jags passing offense, especially with uh, – some of the offenses they're going to be playing in this stretch. Like, I mean, the Bengals, the Texans, the Lions, the Chargers, like all the, like the Titans, like all these guys have good offenses and should put up points and force the, the Jags to play for behind. Yeah, totally. I think the first couple of weeks, it might start out a little slow with the Colts and the Titans. Uh, they still could put up some, you know, big passing yards just based on their defense, but just the way those teams play, I can see them being slow still though. I am in on shark. I I absolutely love shark. I love LaVisca Chenault as well. If he can stay healthy, I'm really interested to see what they can do with him. Chris Conley's going to be a fucking GPP guy for me this year. I'm going to be on GPPs all the time. Oh yeah. Conley, he's going to, he's going to have a game where he scores three touchdowns for 50 yards, you know, and just went and sinks the ship. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, I didn't know how much I was going to like the Jaguars at the beginning of this off season, but I've kind of, as I've told you, I've started to like Fournette more and more, even though you don't, uh, it's like my quarterback Minch- 11. So yeah, I think Minshew is way better than anyone else does. Like in dynasty leagues, he keeps slipping and I just keep ending up with him. I'm like, dude, I'm, you got to get a top three pick down. to get Trevor Lawrence. And I think Minshew's good enough that they're not going to get a top three pick. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. Like I, I think also, I think he flashed enough. He has like that it factor, you know, mm-hmm. he kind of has moxie to where little, I can see it getting Watson behind him. him. Yeah. Yeah. Like the team can get behind the guy. So yeah, with this schedule, Chark just being an overall, like he was like breakout player of the year last year. It was a smash and I did not see it coming at no all. No one did. Uh, yeah. I didn't see it coming. Like so I'm, I'm saying a white side broke out this year. Yeah, actually, that would be maybe mm, almost. Our Sega Whiteside was uh, a couple balls hit him in the head. Okay, it'd be like if Nikhil uh, Harry broke out this year. There you go. Yeah, but Nikhil, people, he was a first round pick. Shark. Yeah. I mean, I know he wasn't. Shark was almost a first round pick, man. He was like I a, know like forty fifth pick in the draft. Yeah, it was different though. Like Nikhil Harry was like the wide receiver one touted, of that yeah. year, and so yeah, Shark's like he kind of it was a. It, there was more receivers to that. I don't know. I just, it, for me, it caught me so off guard. Yeah. Uh, so I, I love Chark though. I really do. Uh, I, I think the Jaguars could actually uh, have an explosive offense this year. Yeah. He actually saw two more targets uh, against bad defenses. And I know he was um, in terms of his touchdowns, the games that he got touchdowns in, he was a lot better from that perspective. 
usually touchdowns are fickle, but just worth noting. Um, the next guy, again, another guy I'm just fucking all the way in on is Adam Thielen. And then also Justin Jefferson, I included in this as well, because someone else is going to do probably decent in that offense. Cause I do think it's still going to be a decent offense, even if the volume isn't very high, but, um, Thielen's schedule is actually a lot better than it looks in my opinion, because, um, Fuller, uh, Kendall Fuller, who'd be on like pri- the primary corner in the bears matchup would probably not travel to the slot. And I'm not sure if Jair, Jair Alexander does or not, but I'm pretty sure he does. After I wrote this, I think I'm pretty sure he, he does travel to the slot, but either way, the Seahawks pass defense, it says it's 15th ranked there. They don't scare me at all. And, uh, the Panthers lost Bradbury, as I mentioned, I think the Panthers might have the worst pass defense in the entire league. So I think this this schedule is very good. I I, I Thielen is going to get crazy volume this year. His schedule's good. He's the only option there. Like I know you like Justin Jefferson. I'm I'm of the belief that Justin Jefferson's going to struggle a bit his rookie year. So I I mean I think Thielen's going to get 160 targets and be a smash this year. Yeah, I mean I could still see Thielen getting 160 targets and Justin Jefferson still playing well, just kind of based on how this offense is looking. Even their week one against the Packers. I, yeah, Jair Alexander's a good player, but I think he's not, he's not like he's not like Stephon. Yeah, Gilmore. he's not like no, and totally scared of, but he does. He's concerning. Totally, and I just think their defense, though, as a whole, is going to regress. I think them and the Bears are like the ultimate defensive regression teams, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, but last year, before Thielen got hurt, he was commanding twenty five percent of the targets, and that was with Stephon Diggs there. You know, Diggs had a twenty two percent target share. Uh, Justin Jefferson, I like him. Like you said, I actually really like him, but he's not Stefan Diggs at this point. He's a rookie. Uh, so if Thielen had a 25% target share with Stefan Diggs, uh, I don't even know what the ceiling could be for Thielen's target share on top 11 of 11 targets Diggs, a game in games that Diggs hasn't played. That's what he averages. Totally. And, uh, I could see that being pretty consistent throughout the year on top of that Diggs was their kind of vertical threat last year. He had by far the deepest a dot of his career. Uh, and with this coaching staff, not having Diggs anymore, I could see them using Thielen in that role as more of a vertical threat at times. And I am all in on Thielen. I, there's a memory I have of Thielen, like the first year he broke out was in week week 16 of him running down the field and catching this deep streak over him and running it for a touchdown. Uh, I'm all in on that for 2020. Yeah, I think what we're going to see out of Adam Thielen is what we saw out of him in 2018 when he had like nine straight 100-yard games. I think he's just going to be like a ten, like a seven-catch 100 yards every single week. Like I think he's just going to be super consistent, especially if you play in any kind of PPR league. And despite seeing nearly uh, three less targets per game against bottom half defenses, Thielen averaged like almost a touchdown per game and over 18 PPR points versus 13.35 in tough matchups. So he is much better in favorable game, uh, matchups. And, I mean, this is the first 13 weeks of the season that I have on the screen here. So he, he's going to get off to a hot start like he did in 2018 if he can stay healthy, hopefully. Yeah, and something also to note, just on the Vikings as a whole, last year they passed fewer than 500 times, which is a really low amount. Uh, and teams that passed under 500 times in the past, 10 out of 12 teams the next year passes more. And that increase on average is 65 more pass attempts. So just the extra pass attempts as a potential ceiling, not even potential, a likely ceiling, that adds to Adam Thielen's potential target share as well. For sure. So just something to note. Yeah, and some honorable mentions for the good category. Uh, Terry McLaurin, the Cowboys' core of receivers, and Allen Robinson have didn't have like the greatest stretches early on, but like by mid-season, they really like 
pick up. So those guys might be kind of like trade targets if you're looking for something like that. And then uh, Hollywood Brown and then the Eagles receiving core. I don't know who the hell you want to pick out of that. But they have a lot of kind of boomer bust weeks. So they're going to be more like inconsistent. Like you'll know when to start them and when to sit them. But like you're not going to be able to use them every kind of, every week kind of thing. Um, so let's get into the hard schedules. And this one, this is a guy I love. And this actually really scares me. Like I moved him down in my rankings when I saw this. Uh, the top five mm-hmm. hardest schedules. Devontae Parker has the hardest schedule of any receiver. Um, okay, I'm just going to read the corners that he goes up against to start it up. He has uh, Stephon Gilmore and Tredavious White week one and two, which is like the two best corners in the league, in my opinion. And they will be shadowing him and they will be on him the whole time because Preston Williams is probably not going to be healthy. Then he's got two decent matchups against the Jags and the Seahawks. Then he has Richard Sherman, A.J. Boye, Chris Harris Jr., Casey Hayward, pick your poison, Jalen Ramsey, and Patrick Peterson. So he has um, seven of his first nine games against like top 10 corners. And uh, that's just – that's big fucking yikes, in my opinion. Like, I, I that scares the crap out of me. And uh, he could be, like, a buy-low candidate, I guess, after the first two weeks when he goes against the best two corners in the league. But, I mean, you're not going to like owning him to start the season. And if everyone – people are off of him because of the Preston Williams narrative, I'm not. But this scares me enough to the point that maybe Preston Williams, by the time he gets back, Devontae Parker's not playing so well. And um, despite similar volume, like, pre- like Parker scored over um, – five more PPR points per game in favorable matchups. So it does matter. And I know, yes, the favorable matchup thing may not matter for Devontae Parker because he toasted Stephon Gilmore the one time he played him, but um, it, it's concerning to me. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what I was going to bring up. I mean, last year against Buffalo, Devontae put up seven for 135 yards and five of those were against Tredavious White. So he went five for five against Tredavious White for 80 yards. And then against Gilmore, he uh, put up 119 yards on seven out of nine targets yeah. and just in general against New England had 137 yards. So he did toast them in the games that he was playing. Uh, and it helps with their division games. It makes it a little bit like less scary that they're not just yeah. like out of division games. Totally. And I mean, I think I have a little more uh, hope and belief in Preston Williams kind of as a player than you do. I could see them actually working well as a tandem together. I really like Devontae Parker. Um, Even with this tough schedule, I'm not really going to be scared off of him. Uh, In general, I mean, last year he was third in the league in in targets 20 plus uh, yards downfield. Uh, everything he kind of does is explosive, is exciting. With Tua, I mean, if Tua is even kind of healthy, that's a huge boost over Fitzmagic. And if he can do this, you know, against those guys last year, uh, then he can do it again. Yeah, Yeah. he can do it again with a better quarterback and with Preston Williams healthy again, he can do it again. Yeah, and I actually – people, I compared CeeDee Lamb to Devontae Parker. Like, the the Devontae Parker I saw last year is what I saw from CeeDee Lamb. So, I I think Devontae Parker is a talented receiver, and I think he can play against these corners. It's just not what you want to see. Like, whether he can do it or not, you just would rather him not play these corners. So, (laughs) yeah, um, totally. We'll get into something I also don't want to see, and that's, like, probably – I'm the number one fan of this guy. So, uh, Henry Ruggs and the Raiders receiving core, just absolutely awful schedule to start the season. I'll put that on the screen right now. Um, Carolina week one, I've said this already, that, that's going to be my DFS smash. Like I'm playing rugs week one against Carolina because they have the worst corners in the league. Um, after that though, you got a murderer's row of difficult pass defenses for pretty much the entire season. And they're not even just like shut down sh- corners that he has. It's just a- excellent pass defenses all around. Like they're just not going to give up much. 
And they're also not great for explosive passes either, which, I mean, anyone who knows Henry Ruggs knows he's probably going to need explosive plays to be, um, to be good. I'm, I'm just hoping he gets some manufactured touches like I expect him to, but it, it's, it's concerning because I think other than Carolina week one, like the Saints, Patriots, Bills, Chiefs, Bucks, Browns, Chargers, Broncos, Chiefs again, like those defenses are not like people think the Chiefs defense is bad, like pass defense. It's not like they have a great pass rush with Jones and, Clark and, and Tyron Matthew on the back end and Thornhill coming back. Like their, their pass defense is legit. It's their run defense that sucks. Yeah. The silver lining I'm kind of trying to find here with the Raiders is that there is a potential for a lot of high scoring games. Yeah. Uh, Panthers, Saints, Chiefs, twice, Buccaneers, Browns, Broncos. Like there's a lot of potential for high scoring games, which could mean more pass attempts, even with kind of this murderer's row of defenses. It's definitely not what you want to see. Their line can um, handle good pass rushes too, which helps. Totally. Uh, and I'm kind of with you on rugs. I think their best opportunity will be to like low eight dot throws, which Derek Carr is great with yep. and uh, manufacturing touches for Henry rugs. You know, he could potentially break one. I'm not out completely, but like guys like Brian Edwards and, uh, you know, like Lynn Bowden, any of these Brian other Trump. potential guys. Yeah. I'm just, I'm concerned about them. A little like concerning maybe, for Waller too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. For Waller. I mean, Waller, maybe he is the one that you target though. You know, maybe it's rugs on the low a dot. Maybe it's Waller. He's the one who's able to break through as a tight end. Yeah. Uh, I guess just, we'll see. I didn't look at the run defense schedule, but hopefully it means good news for Josh Jacobs. Cause I love Josh Jacobs. Uh, this totally is a guy, too. I honestly, I never hear anyone talk about this guy, like ever. And that's Stephon Diggs. Um, I feel like everyone just kind of forgot about him. Like only time I talk about Stephon Diggs is when I'm gassing up Adam Thielen. So um, this is uh, this is Diggs' whole schedule, his whole 17 weeks. And it's just not great all around. He only has like four solid matchups with the Seahawks, Titans, and the two Jets games. He has the Dolphins twice, which means he's got Byron Jones and Xavier Howard twice. He's got Ramsey. He's got Gilmore twice. He's got Patrick Peterson. He's got the Chargers. Uh, he's got Sherman. He's got Boye. He's got the Steelers. Like that's like ten bad matchups in his, his seventeen week season. Like it's just not yeah. great for Diggs. Totally. This one bums me out because uh, I know a lot of people don't talk about Steph Diggs, but he's been one of my favorite wide receivers for a long time. I, I own him everywhere in Dynasty. Uh, and I mean, Josh Allen last year, I mean, of course he was bottom 10 in the league and success rate completing passes to wide receivers on first, second and third down. Uh, if anyone can make him look good, it is Stefan Diggs, you know, with his deep a dot and his just always efficient play. But man, dude, like, why can't we just get my boy Steph a break and get him some easy defenses? Cause he's already gonna have a shitty quarterback throwing him the ball. Yeah. Well, when he complains and gets out of Buffalo after this year, then maybe he'll get some good team. Um, fortunately for Diggs, it didn't actually make a huge difference for him when I looked up uh, the splits versus really good pass defenses and really bad pass defenses. But I mean, again, not what you want to see, especially, especially for the whole season. Like it's not even like, it's not even just bad at the beginning or the bad at the end. Like it's bad the whole season. So, uh, yeah, I'm probably not going to own a lot of Stefan Diggs this year. Um, one guy who, who definitely just has, it's just like a beginning of the season thing is Kenny Galladay. Uh, if you see his first uh, four matchups here, after, after those first four matchups and the bye week in week five, he actually has quite a favorable schedule down the back half. But, I mean, he, he might get shadowed those first four weeks. Uh, Fuller, Alexander, Patrick Peterson, Marshawn Lattimore the first four weeks. Um, this is where kind of like our in-season takes come in because if you look at something like this and you don't want to draft Kenny Galladay because of it, that's fine. But 
you might be able to get Kenny Galladay for pennies on the dollar because he might be struggling the beginning of the season, especially with that early buy too. If he's coming off a bad couple weeks after that Saints game, someone might want want to move him before that bye week, and you might like have to take a bye week because of it. But like, you might be able to get him for cheaper. So, like after that though, it's an excellent stretch of bad pass defenses. Yeah, uh, as I said earlier, week one and week two, they face the Bears and Packers, which both are teams I think will regress. And uh, they have, you know, their top corner in Fuller and Alexander. What this says to me is my boy Marvin Jones needs uh, some respect put on his name. Uh, With this passing defense schedule, like as you look past it, those first couple weeks, if Galladay is tied up, Marvin Jones, and last year with Stafford, he was wide receiver 14 before Stafford went down. That's through eight weeks, so he was crushing. Galladay was wide receiver 11. So I am all in on the Lions passing attack. It's something I Yeah, this is good news for Stafford because, like, while Galladay might have a bit of a tough matchup in those first four weeks, they're not, like, insanely good pass defenses that Stafford's going to be bad. Totally. Yeah, they were third in the league targeting wide receivers and uh, wide receiver success rate last year. Uh, this schedule is a smash. Galladay is a, the ultimate deep threat. He was second in the league in red zone targets last year, first in the league in targets over 20 yards. Uh, Marvin Jones has literally been my favorite receiver that's underrated for the last like five or six years. I own him in every dynasty league and I will never get rid of him, yeah. you know? So, uh, yeah, dude, this is awesome. I didn't know how awesome it could be for Marvin specifically. Yeah. For and Marvin, uh, I'm getting really pumped good. on him. Yeah, yeah. like especially on those teams with the Bears and the Packers, like their second corner is a major downgrade from their first corner. Huge. So, and same with the same with the, the Cardinals too. Well, after Patrick Peterson, they got Byron Murphy behind him, and then same fuck, geez, same with the Saints. After Lattimore, it's fucking Janoris Jenkins. Oh, like, damn, dude, Jesus, Wheels like this up. might be Marvin Jones' season out here. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Galladay's matchups actually against tough defenses, they haven't affected him whatsoever. To be honest, I think it was like almost equal numbers when I checked it out over the last two seasons. So, I mean just wheels up for the Lions passing game. But it is worth noting that Galladay could get off to a bit of a slow start if you're looking to maybe target him after like week four or whatever in, uh, in your leagues. Um, okay, the last one we're going to get to is uh, Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller. So the, te- the t- uh, top two receivers on the Texans probably would be the top two you'd probably focus on. Uh, not the greatest start for Watson and the, and the Texans receiving core. The, the good news is they play probably the two best offenses in the league in the first two weeks. And um, explosive pass defenses uh, were they're, – they're not great. But, again, you're going to have to play some catch-up if you play against the Chiefs and you play against the Ravens because they're going to put, put up some points. But um, these guys, as I said for, uh, for Gallaudet, maybe it just makes them decent trade candidates if either of them are healthy by week four. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's kind of what I'm banking on is the hope that there is some potential high-scoring games early on that uh, maybe Will Fuller can get going, that Deshaun can get going. Uh, but it's concerning. I've already been concerned about the Texans' passing game just in general. You know, no Hopkins. Brandon Cooks, is he was great, but there's just some question marks. Will Fuller, I love him, but there's some question marks. Uh, and then now you see the schedule. It's just like, I don't know, it's, uh, it's kind of disappointing. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm everyone knows I'm a big Watson guy and and I'm hoping Me just too. for some catch up in in these in these first two games because I I his schedule does get very good after the bye week and uh you, you definitely want to be winning games early in the season especially with Watson who's like going to be an early pick for for most people and we'll get into quarterbacks and tight ends next week but uh yeah this isn't looking good for Watson's early uh early season schedule and uh both Cooks and Fuller actually it, they saw like a modest increase like two and a half targets per game 
in games against lesser pass defenses. So again, this does, this does matter for them. Uh, some honorable mentions, the Jets receiving core, if they had any receivers that were worth a damn, they have the worst pass defense schedule in the league. Like think of their division alone. They have four shutdown corners in their division. They have two on the Dolphins and then the two best corners in the league on the Patriots and, and Bills. So if the Jets actually had a good receiver, then he would be out. So Rashad Perriman season, looking looking a little bleak for me. But yeah. I'll still take my dart throws at him. But it might be hashtag never Jets this year for their passing game. Yeah. Uh, let's just uh, hope that we can get my boy Mims a couple targets, you know, hopefully get him some reps against all those big dogs. But, uh, yeah, that's concerning. That whole division just seems rough uh, as a passing – like, it's a passing team. Yeah, it's going to be Jamar Chase season in New York pretty soon, so – I'm in with that. Yeah, it's going to be fire Adam Gase week seven and then um, get freaking Mike wow. Leach to come coach the Jets or something. Dude, and, get uh, Gase out of there. I hate that guy. I, I mean, I like Darnold. So, like, I, I'm really mad. That I like Darnold, too. I love, I, I love Darnold. I think uh, – I think – I, he's I, I mean, he's – like, his situations reminded me a lot of what Jameis Winston had to deal with. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, he's the youngest quarterback to ever start a game in the NFL, so – I still got hope for him. He's younger than rookies that came in this year still. So yeah, sounds uh, like James yeah. Winston. He was fucking 21 years old when he played too. Uh, the Giants yeah. core is also worth mentioning because we're going to talk, I guarantee you we're going to talk about Daniel Jones next week. Um, and the Giants core, I mean, the reason I didn't include them here is because I, I really don't know who I like the most out of all of them. I, I kind of can see sides for all of them. I love the potential that Darius Slayton showed. Sterling Shepard always gets targets when he's on the field. Golden Tate's a solid veteran guy that's still going to get targets. The first four weeks are brutal, and I could, I, I honestly could see all of them being good at some point in the season, but I don't know who to draft anyway, so that's why I didn't include them here because – but I, I would I would, I would temper expectations for Darius Slayton because I know I was really high on him at the beginning of the offseason, but you gotta stay, you got to stay water with some of this stuff. You can't – just like get attached to players and just like think they're going to be like awesome no matter what, because I did love Darius Slayton at the beginning of this off season, but the more and more I look into the giant situation, the less and less I like Darius Slayton. Yeah. My choice uh, on the team is golden Tate, just cause I think golden Tate's reliable. I don't expect him to be some league winner or stud, but as a bi-week fill-in, I, I like golden Tate. Yeah. But... I'm kind of on the shepherd bandwagon for some reason, just cause no one, like he's just falls so far, especially in dynasty. Like he just like, it's free. Yeah. He's like, totally. Yeah. 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 And he's young I, too. I so I'm like, like, I don't, he's kind of like Jar. He's like a little Jarvis Landry light kind of, I don't even know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. Hope you guys took some value from that. Uh, make sure you guys like uh, the video, leave a comment below. Um, leave your thoughts on any of the guys that we talked about here and, uh, keep, uh, fucking listening to the content. We're trying to produce as much of it as we possibly can. Hopefully NFL training camps actually open in, in the next coming, in the coming week that we're getting into here. Yeah, they better. <laughs> yeah, they better open. I know, uh, baseball's starting to play now, but I'm not a fucking baseball fan. So I don't really care about that until hockey and basketball and football come back. There's no sports in my opinion. So, uh, without further ado, guys, take it easy and enjoy your Monday. Later.